Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your Wimbledon finals weekend catch-up. Hello everyone, Joel here from The Passing Shot, your tennis catch-up podcast, here with the self-confessed Queen of Clay, Kim. Kim, we're going to be talking uh, today about the weekend. We've just had an absolutely epic final between Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. Five sets, it went to 12 all in the fifth set, Federer losing, you know, having had championship points is, you know, I think... You know, for me, I think this final is going to go down as one of the, one of the most painful for him to take. Yeah, I know. I I, I do feel sorry for um, for all Federer fans out there because, you know, I, I think that's probably like the worst thing, isn't it? Having having championship points and then losing in in such an epic fashion. Um, I mean, it was an epic, although I don't think it really became one until it actually went to the fifth set. I think until that point, I was kind of quite underwhelmed with the standard of tennis that we were getting um yeah Federer was probably like the better player throughout but obviously when it push came to shove in those tie breaks he just kind of got a bit careless and uh and Novak tightened you know you know Novak kind of won the points when it mattered and uh and then again in the fifth set the tie break it was quite anticlimactic in the end I thought and I was thinking oh Okay, 12 all. Yes, we know when it's going to end. There's going to be a tie break, but maybe for the final, maybe we could actually have play just continuing because I thought the drama was kind of stunted a bit right at the end. Yeah, I, tell you, I, I, can't, yeah, I kind of agree. I think that final, just kind of looking about, I don't think technically it was the best tennis we've seen from, from both players. I think there were, you know, errors and there were definitely like, lo- like periods that lulled. Um, you know, the second set, for example, was, I mean, I was very surprised, you know, Novak Djokovic won the first set and then seemed to go on like a mental walkabout, um, losing, it, it almost looked at times he was going to get bageled by Federer in, I that, know. in that second set. Yeah, that's the fewest games he's actually um, ever won. And so it was six on to Federer, which is the fewest games Novak's won in any set against Federer since 2012 when a Federer bageled him. So, yeah, I, I just thought, oh, that's a, it's a real switch off for Novak. And obviously he came back um, in the third set and then kind of went walkabout a bit in the fourth set. And, uh, well, I mean, when it went to five, I just thought, I had thought, you know, I thought the whole way through that Djokovic, you know, would end up coming through, but I really wasn't sure by the time it got to five. Um, and then what Novak went a break up, didn't he, in the fifth? And then Federer broke back straight away and then obviously Fed broke and then had championship points. Novak broke back and then 
well, I mean, by that point, it was getting, uh, yeah, quite insane, wasn't it? And I did sort of think, oh, it, I mean, it's quite ironic that the the first, you know, singles final set tie break was in the, the, the final, the first year that it was introduced. Yeah, but I guess for Federer fans, I think, you know, they might look back on that match and think, should it have even gone to a fifth set? Because, mm. you know, arguably Federer could have won that potentially in, in three sets. He wasn't actually, his serve wasn't actually broken at all in, in three sets. Yet he found himself down, you know, two sets to one. And, you know, he, if you look at the match statistics, I think he, he won more, he won more points. He produced less errors. Um, I certainly felt like Federer played enough tennis, uh, enough excellent tennis to kind of win that match. But, um, but yeah, it needed to be finished in, in three or, or four. I think actually unforced errors, Novak hit uh, slightly fewer, but on certainly on most of the other statistics, Federer, you know, was was better. But, you know, that is why tennis is so great. It's about sort of when you win the points. And it's not always, you know, the person with the most points that wins. I think Federer won something like 11 more points overall across the whole match. But you know, it's about, you know, it's that when those crunch moments when you've got to be clinical and you've got to not hit the errors. And I think in that's what Federer seems to just hit, hit sort of a shank here and there, doesn't he? He's, he just kind of goes a bit wild sometimes, I feel, when it comes to like the deep end of the set against, you know, Djokovic and uh, sometimes Rafa. And uh, I mean, Federer hadn't beaten Djokovic in a slam final for many, many years. Like I think on all their previous matchups, Djokovic, you know, statistically Djokovic was, was destined to win this match. Um, That's why I picked him to win before the match, but Federer did better than I thought he would. Let's just say that he definitely performed better than actually I thought he would on the day. Well, I mean, kind of looking at those championship points he had, I mean, you talk about, you know, the importance of not just winning points, but when you win points, you know, that passing shot that Djokovic did, um, you know, Federer, you know, on approach, that was certainly, uh, you know, that was the that was a point of someone who, yeah, he, he you know, from Djokovic, a, a guy who, you know, he plays the big points you know like no other kind of tennis player doesn't seem to let the the pressure get to him and I think he played the big points better essentially yeah it reminded me and I think many people of the 2011 US Open semi-final when Federer had a match point and I think Novak just hit this sort of out there forehand and just like clipped the line and um and he went on to win that match so um, another thing I did notice in this match was uh, that Federer's challenges were again abysmal for the most part of the match. Like he really, he really needs to address that. I mean, he's like the worst player on tour, I think, for, <laughs> for successful, like you know, unsuccessful challenges. But then I think he did, he did get one right towards the end, and I thought, oh, the irony that he might end up winning this match, like on a successful challenge, when you know all tournament he's been getting them wrong, but. Yeah, that, that didn't quite happen. Um, but yeah, Djokovic becomes the first player to win a Wimbledon men's singles final after saving championship points since Bob Falkenberg in 1948. Yeah, I've never heard of. <laughs> who is Bob Falkenberg? I'm going to have to go to the Wimbledon Museum and swat up, <laughs> swat up <laughs> on that one. Um, but yeah, it was a very long match, just shy of five hours, um, which actually I think was the men's doubles final 
also like exactly a few minutes shy of five hours. So they kind of went both, you know, both major men's finals went went the distance. Uh, definitely got value for money for the spectators. Yeah, and 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 on that, would you would you have liked to have seen it continued? I mean, you, you were saying kind of. You know, the fifth set, you felt like the drama only really started at the fifth set. So kind of on that basis, do you almost feel like, you know, having a 12-all tie break almost deprived us of even even more drama, potentially? Well, I guess if the tie break had been a bit closer, that could also have gone on and on and on and been, you know, just as dramatic. But I don't know, it just felt like a bit like, okay, now we're going to play a couple of points and it's going to end. I just felt like... I totally understand the reason why they have the tie break. Um, but I think maybe when it comes to the final, they should just carry on playing. It just felt like, I don't know. It felt like we'd kind of all this build up to get to 12 or, and then it was like, Oh, okay. Now we're here. And then it just was over very quickly. Um, and, but, and rather hilariously, didn't, didn't Novak think that the tie break was at 10 or. Yeah. I think he asked the umpire earlier in the the last set and he, you know, he just said, Oh, is it, is it 10 or, and it's just, how can you not know that? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. It's kind of like, this has been talked about probably like since, you know, for like a year since the, um, you know, the debacle from last year's championships. Exactly. And I just thought it was quite, well, it was quite funny that, um, yeah, it'd, it'd just be like, Oh, is it is it ten or oh no no ah oh, twelve or yeah. I did laugh though. Someone on Twitter put, "Oh, once again, John Isner ruining a great men's match or something <laughs> or great final because you know because of the Isner match last year. Basically, this you know this rule was put into place. So I thought <laughs> that was quite amusing. Um, but also Federer, you know, he has never beaten both Rafa and Djokovic in the same tournament in any sort of traditional any traditional tournament, not just a slam, but any tournament. He's only done it at the uh, World Tour Finals, but obviously that that is a round-robin format. So it's not, you know, consecutive matches. It's it's not quite the same. Um, and I think, I don't think any of them have actually won a slam having beaten the other two. So again, that was another sort of big task to ask for Federer. And well, I mean, he came extremely, extremely close. So, I mean, I, I'm assuming he will be gutted. I'm sure his fans will be gutted. Um, I'm sure most of the crowd of Wimbledon will be gutted because they all seem to be um, Swiss today, didn't they, Joel? They were they were definitely completely pro-Federer, which, you know, again, I, I felt a bit sorry for Djokovic having to contend with that. I mean, I'm sure it's not the first time he's had to face that, but I did think it was a bit over the top at times. Yeah, it's that's an interesting one on, on the crowd because I actually think that when the crowd is fully against uh, Novak Djokovic he actually plays even better it almost kind of riles him into like right now I'm gonna kind of you know I'm gonna play my you've right you've unleashed me I'm gonna go play my best tennis and you know absolutely uh, you know annihilate whoever the the opponent is and um yeah I, I felt that kind of yeah the crowd were pro Federer but I don't know I didn't feel like it was completely really OT- John, were you watching the same oh. match? Like every every time Federer won a point, these people at the back of Central would stand <laughs> up and block the view. And it actually, that was getting really annoying because, yeah, it was just blocking the view. And I thought, I don't want to see the back of this guy's head every time Federer wins a point. So I'm not sure why the camera crew couldn't, I don't know, do something about that particular shot. It was kind of a bit annoying. Um but I mean, at one point, the crowd, I think, were cheering Djokovic, like when he double faulted, um, which obviously is not very nice. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it was a bit much, but um, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. And and I'm just kind of on the point of 
like the the final and and how it compares to kind of previous finals yeah i i just kind of was thinking that you know it, it did feel a bit like you know the federer and andy roddick final mm. you know it felt a bit kind of yeah federer i think won 36 games today and to win 36 games and not come out as the victor it's almost like it feels like how Andy Roddick felt in, in that oh, uh, I know. In that final. I know. I was just thinking, like, if we could just trade this match for, like, the Andy Roddick one and just have Roddick having, <laughs> having won that one. I mean, I think most... I, and maybe even some Federer fans would have actually not minded if Federer had, like, lost that one. You know, because just Andy Roddick, I mean, oh, he should have won that. I'm still, you know, sad for him that he never, never got this title. But... um yeah, and I think he popped up on Twitter saying, oh, is there anything good on or something? And everyone was just like, oh, because, yeah, it's 10 years since since that epic final. So who knows what 2029 will, will bring us, another <laughs> epic match. Yeah, and, we've, and we now have Novak Djokovic on 16 Grand Slam titles, Federer still on 20, and Nadal in between on 18. Um do you see that changing? Do you see like the slams race? Do you see that changing at all in in the future? I mean, do you think Federer can add to twenty? Do you think Djokovic is going to overtake him? I, f- I feel like potentially. Yeah, I think that will probably happen. I think Djokovic will probably tie with Rafa by this time next year. I mean, I, I probably I can see Djokovic winning the US Open and the Australian Open, so then it'll be a level pegging with Rafa, and uh, I think yeah, Federer will certainly be within within maybe both of their grasps um i mean could you, but, could you imagine novak playing to 37 though i don't see why not i mean he's he's a very fit guy i mean i i know he's had that elbow injury he's had a few other little niggly things but he seems to be in good shape i don't think there's any major concerns with his body but it'll be whether he wants to play i mean i, I think if he's chasing you know history and chasing the most Grand Slam titles and if Federer, say, retires at the end of next year or something after the Olympics, then I think Novak will want to keep playing until he's overtaken Roger. It'll be a bit like, you know, Serena gunning for uh, for the record as well and wanting to overtake Margaret Court. Um, and talking of Serena, should we talk about the, uh, the women's final, which happened yesterday? So, uh, I mean, compared to the five-hour men's match, this was kind of... <laughs> You know, done in a <laughs> in a flash. I think, really, I think under the, an hour. I think a lot of yeah. I think a lot of people on um, social media were commenting. Actually, the first set from the men's final lasted longer than the whole of the women's final. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, that was due to kind of yeah, Simona Hallett from out of nowhere just put on an absolute clinic. Showed no sign of nerves, um, even though she admitted in a in a in a like in a prize speech that uh, you know she was nervous before, but as soon as she stepped on court, she just showed that she was right at home in a Grand Slam final. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I mean, I really enjoyed watching that match because she just played sensational tennis. Uh, she only hit three unforced errors the whole match, which is actually the lowest uh, in a well, the fewest in a Wimbledon final since 1998 when they actually started keeping records according to IBM but I mean she was just flawless like there was nothing Serena could really do I mean when Serena got her first game on the board so Hallett went four love up in 11 minutes and then when Serena sort of managed to hold serve I was thinking oh 
is it gonna is she gonna start you know like clawing her way back is it gonna all change and I was sort of always waiting for that moment and then it never came it never happened and I just thought well there was no let up from Halep she just played like perfect basically from start to finish I think I think I I mean I was waiting on that moment I think Serena was waiting on that moment and it was just a moment that yeah it just didn't materialize and Halep's game was just too I mean uh, in particular her court coverage was was so it, it just kind of I think got to to Serena and and when you know Serena would expect kind of the ball not to come back or her to kind of hit a winner um you know it just seemed that Simona yeah. was there yeah and she was she was like not at all like off balance or you know she was able at any point basically to kind of make a you know make a play that kind of um you know that that kept her in kept her in the point kept her in the rally yeah her defense was so good and she was just so composed throughout and I think Serena probably thought well what can I do to you know she's moving so well she's getting everything back like what can I kind of do to to be her and and Serena you know she she seemed to suffer from from her nerves I think this whole thing of trying to equal and then break Margaret Court's record is is clearly must be getting to her because in the three slam finals she's been in since coming back um you know she hasn't she hasn't won a set has she so it's it's clearly on her mind that it's only going to get worse surely the more she kind of keeps losing in these slam finals mm. but I think you know the one thing that you know she she could control like her serve like that that wasn't there she didn't deliver on her serve so it was it was comfortable for Halep and but do you know what although it was a really short match and it was quite one-sided I, I thoroughly enjoyed it because it was just so nice to see Halep playing so so well and winning yeah and com- comfortably winning and because I just think she does deserve she's she's deserved to have already had two slams by now so I'm just really glad she's she's kind of joined that two slam club and I really hope she can get a lot more yeah I, I agree and it, I think it's great that she's kind of worked on you know a surface that she's not an wouldn't, wouldn't say she's natural on it's great to kind of see a player kind of go and work really hard you know on a surface that you know you would consider a weaker one for her and yeah it's obviously paid uh it's paid dividends and you know now she's a, a two-time a two-time champion uh i think is she is she back in the top five in terms of yeah the rankings? i think she's back to number four in the world and uh serena's now back in the top 10 i think she's going to be number nine so, but it's all very close at the top of the women's game. So, you know, come the US Open series, I think it's all, all change really. Um, and yeah, I'm just, well, I mean, I know Wimbledon's like finished now and it's, it's been a great two weeks, but I'm already like super excited for, <laughs> for the next lot of, you know, for the next, uh, the hardcore swing. Um, but yeah, I, I think, mean, Halep, amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy for her. Yeah, I think Simona's just ha- uh, happy that she's now got um, membership for life yes. to the, uh, the yeah. to the All England Club. Yeah, her speech afterwards was was really nice, and uh, you know all the photos and everything. She obviously just yeah, so happy with it, and and you know Serena was very gracious as well, and you know it was just a really nice nice moments at the end, um, mm. and. Yeah, I mean, we had a men's doubles final that that certainly got the crowd going after that. So if they didn't have enough tennis in the women's final, they certainly did in the men's doubles because there was about, yeah, no breaks of serve until the fourth set. It's just endless tie breaks. And Mahu got hit in the face several times by a a rather fast tennis ball. I don't know if you saw it, Joel, that first time. It was like at the end of the first set and he just 
went down onto the floor and um, they had to call the trainer on. And I mean, it was genuinely a bit worrying because she thought we didn't really know where exactly it hit him on his face, what the, you know, what the diagnosis was going to be, if he was going to be all right or not to carry on. Yeah, I think the reason for that was that the TV just kept panning to Woody Harrelson in the in the royal box, <laughs> yeah. and we just see his facial expressions more than the actual. Uh, I know, the actual play I know. On court. Oh dear. Which is, which, to be honest, which was great. I I, I did I did actually love it a little bit, but um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a long final, and um, I think someone pointed out to me, you know, Nicholas Mahu. I think he's now lost. He's lost the longest singles final oh, uh, no. to, to Isner. And now he's lost the second longest doubles match at Wimbledon. Um, just only by five minutes, apparently. But um, oh. yeah, he's, it's <laughs> yeah like, at least it wasn't oh, an 11 hour really, match. <laughs> he just must be. I mean, that team in general, that they would, you could see at, you know, at the end of the match that you know, they had obviously put a lot of effort in. And you know, anyone in that position, it would have been totally gutting you know, not, not to come out um, as the victor. Yeah, I was. I did feel like genuinely a bit sad for um, Roger Vasselin because he was just sobbing, you know, at the handshake at the net. Because in 2016, he was on the the losing end um, when he played Mahu, who who won. But I think Roger Vasselin was playing with Benetton and they lost. So I don't think he's ever won Wimbledon himself. So I think you know this was like obviously the closest closest he was going to get and um yeah I did feel really sad for him but Cabal and Farah you know you couldn't help but feel happy for them because that's their first Grand Slam title and they've been playing together for years and um they're now going to be I think world number one they've won their first Grand Slam like and I think yeah they well, they've just they played really well they stuck in there they got it in five and uh yeah great win for Colombia <laughs> yeah and I Club me on a grass court. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that's it. Feels a bit random, but uh, well, they did win Eastbourne as well, so well, they're undefeated on grass. Yeah. Uh, and I'm and not actually, sure Queens, is, isn't um, uh, Alejandro Falla? Who oh, did, yeah, he was in their box. Yeah, he almost beat oh, Federer at Wimbledon yeah. about ten years ago or something. Nine years ago, I think he served for the so, match and then choked. Yeah. So, so there must be something. There must be something that uh, Colombians love about uh, grass courts. And I just, yeah, I just wonder. Do you think Pierre Uzhebert was he watching that match? Do you think? What would you think his emotions would have been seeing his partner, well, ex-partner, ex-partner. former partner? Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. The final. I don't know if there's any bad blood like between them because uh, I'm. I'm. I don't know. Um, but I mean, well, would, well would, in, who doesn't need him, does he? Because he got to the final with Roger Vasselin, so he doesn't need PHH. But well, they they were an awesome doubles team. You know, they won all four slams. So I mean, there was a lot of talk about about them splitting up. Um, I think I was watching on the BBC, and someone said, "Oh, you know, Mahu uh, uh, Pierre Ugzebert just dropped Mahu, you know, in a flash to play with Andy Murray." And it it wasn't like that. They, you know, he'd already made the decision that he wanted to focus on his singles, you know, at, before Roland Garros. So they didn't play Roland Garros together, did they? And then obviously Andy just got in touch, and so it wasn't quite like he just dropped Mahu. But um, yeah, I think Mahu doesn't need Pierre Ugzebert to win slams. Um, because, you know, he almost won this one. Uh, but the ladies' doubles, they were getting shunted left, right and centre. They got cancelled yesterday because of the men's doubles going on for hours and hours. And then today they they were put on after the men's singles and again had to wait hours and hours and hours. 
And they finally got on court and <laughs> lo and behold, um, it was actually a pretty quick match. 6-2, 6-4 for Sue Shea and Barbora Stritzkova, the third seeds. So they won. Um, I think it's their first slam together, as far as I'm aware. So, uh, yeah, it was a, worth the wait for them, I'm sure. And uh, it's nice that Stritzkova, after doing so well in the singles, has, you know, come home with trophy as well. Yeah, and I think that puts Stritzkova as number one in the world for uh, ladies' doubles. Um, I was just kind of thinking, Kim, um, do you think there was any controversy about the the planning for the ladies' doubles final, having to move it from Saturday to Sunday, you know, shunting out the mixed doubles to to number one court? And I think a lot of people on social media was saying well oh well if Andy Murray was in that mixed doubles final yeah. that, def- that definitely wouldn't have happened well no it wouldn't they would have put the ladies doubles <laughs> on court one wouldn't they I mean they could have put the, the ladies doubles on court one yesterday but I think they had invitationals didn't they because you were there but when did that finish could they have fitted them on I mean well they have a roof and yeah. mm. if they like I, I feel like if they have a roof why not use it um that, I think that's one side of this, the argument, but I guess the other side of the argument is, you know, you don't want the ladies doubles final to be played out in, you know, in front of like three men and their dog or whatever. Um, Which is what know, happened uh, today, to be fair, because the whole crowd basically dispersed. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the organisers weren't to know that the men's final would go. No, I think they tried they to. Could. Yeah, they tried to give, I think they tried to give the ladies doubles a fairer shot as possible. And, you know, to be honest, if I was in a doubles final, I would want it to be on centre court, um, you know, in a, in an ideal world. Um, I feel like, you know, that, you know, there are doubles specialists out there. This is the pinnacle of their career as well. And I feel like, you know, centre court is, you know, that's the pinnacle court of Wimbledon. So I, I think in an ideal world, you put the, you'd have, you'd get those finals on, on centre court. You know, it was a shame yeah, that, you for know, sure. It was a shame that one finals had to, you know, had to kind of miss out. And, you know, obviously the, the mixed doubles final, as you said, got put out to uh, to court one. Yeah, so that was, that happened today. That was a really quick match. Um, they started pretty much around the same time as the men's singles. Uh, Ivan Dodik and Letitia Chan, they, um, they won in straight sets. So they beat Robert Lindstedt and Yelena Ostapenko, who I guess were one of the more exciting mixed doubles pairings of the tournament, just purely for Ostapenko whacking him in the head quite a few times <laughs> with a ball. But yeah, that, they got they were the ones that got shunted over to court one. But yeah, Dodig and Chan came through and they have won two slams in a row now. They won Roland Garros uh, this year and also last year. So that's their third title together as a team. Um, and actually, they are the ones that beat um, Eden Silver and Evan Hoyt in the quarterfinals in quite a close match. So I think, um, you know, the British pair can be really, really pleased that, you know, they only just missed out to the eventual champions in that quarterfinal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's nice that the court one, if you do have a court one ticket through through the ballot or whatever for the, the last Sunday, I mean, it's nice that they got, you know, another final to add to the, the schedule. Um, but, yeah, no, no Sarandi. I'm sure if Sarandi had been there, it would have been... <laughs> on centre and people would have, you know, stayed for sure for that one. I'm just wondering if uh, Cabal and Farab were looking at Ostapenko matches beforehand. That's where they got hitting Yeah, Roger. that's all got Sorry, the tactic. Sorry, uh, Yeah, they got that tactic <laughs> from her, maybe. I don't know. Penko well, at the power. end of that, I know, Ugh. but at the end of that men's doubles, yeah, but who got hit, I think, twice more and then either Cabal or Farah, I always mix them up. 
um they were then down on the floor and it was just suddenly like it reminded me of you know in a football match like everyone sort of diving onto the floor rolling around in <laughs> agony it was sort of getting a bit like that and I just thought wow but uh yeah so that's that's all the doubles finals um what have we also had Joel we've had we've had wheelchair singles so we've had uh Gustavo Fernandez winning his first Wimbledon uh, and his third Grand Slam in a row by beating Shingo Kuneda uh, from a set down. And that was in the, the men's wheelchair singles. So, uh, yeah, a great win for Argentina in the wheelchair men's singles. And then in the women's wheelchair singles, <laughs> our favourite matchup, um, Anique <laughs> Van Koot. She won uh, beating Didi de Groot um, to win her first Wimbledon. So, yeah. So first time winners uh, in the wheelchairs and then actually them two together, Van Koot and De Groot won the doubles. Um, so I, mean, I just love that, that name, that naming <laughs> partnership is fantastic. Um, and then sadly we had uh, Alpha Hewitt and Gordon Reed. They lost in the wheelchair doubles final to um, Gerard and Olsen, which is a Belgian Swedish pair. Um, yeah. The British guys lost in straight sets. So a um, bit of a shame for them too. And then we also, I know we talked about this on the last pod, we had Andy Lapthorne who had won the quad doubles with Dylan Alcott, but they faced off in the singles and Dylan Alcott thrashed Andy Lapthorne, love and two. So um, yeah, a bit of a shame we couldn't get a British winner there. But yeah, Dylan Alcott now has the Grand Slam in quad titles. So uh, an amazing, mm. amazing record for him. Um, and I'm not entirely sure yeah, if I'm in- saying his name correctly, is it Alcott, Alcott? It's it's a bit like, do I say almond, almond or almond? So if anyone can actually <laughs> clarify, that'd be great. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a personality, actually, because he was mm. getting a lot of um, plaudits on social media. I even saw uh, Hugh Jackman uh, tweeted him, uh, Ash Barty. He seems to be a really, uh, obviously, well-loved guy. And yeah. Um, yeah, he he. I think he does analysis as well, uh, some broadcasting. Um, so he he seems to be on top of his on, on on top of his game at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he seems singles, like a really nice singles, doubles, broadcasting. You know, mixing it with the celebrities. But um, yeah, it's great to kind of have those sorts of characters in. I guess in the the wheelchair game that um, you know doesn't get as much you know visibility as obviously uh, you mm. know other other parts of the the championships. No, definitely. Um, and we also had the junior finals. I think, Joel, you you were present for a junior final, weren't you? How <laughs> yes. did that go? <laughs> yes, I was there on number one court for the girls' uh, junior final between Daria Snigger and Alexa Knoll from the United States. Snigger from Ukraine won in straight sets. Um, you know, I was watching this match trying to think about, oh, what am I going to say on the podcast? And I'll tell you, Tim, I'll tell you one thing. If Snigger wants to transition to the WTA tour, she needs to find a better serve because she was literally, she was dropping it in at like 60 miles an hour, <laughs> 65 miles an hour um, to her opponent. And which it was really strange because, yeah, she had some, she was the more powerful hitter from the baseline, but yeah, she was almost kind of, wanting to start on the back foot um from her serve so she could definitely i feel like improve that part of her game um and then yeah alexa knoll very intriguing character in terms of her shot selection um loves forehand slice 
reminded me obviously of uh, Monica Nicolescu. Yeah, she was mixing up slice with topspin, and I felt like you know, no, no loss. And I think the reason kind of she lost was because she doesn't have a naturally aggressive game, or she's not added that. Um, she's not added that to. Um, she's still learning to be more aggressive on, on a tennis court, and um, you know, I think she could have done more with the the snigger serve basically and um you know there's only i feel like there's you can only be so aggressive with a forehand slice um <laughs> which worked Doesn't... which worked well for her in part yeah it worked well for her in parts she went i think she went a break up in in both sets i think but um yeah um potentially two names to watch i'm not sure i think snigger's got really good ground strokes as, as i said and yeah if noel can get a bit more aggressive I think in terms of her play, um, yeah, they certainly could be, they certainly could make that transition to, yeah, the WTA tour. We will see. Well, maybe they'll become, you know, <laughs> favourites of the passing shots as their careers yeah. <laughs> develop and blossom. Um, we also, I watched a bit of the boys' final um, online today. It was uh, the first Japanese boy to ever win a Grand Slam boys' singles. So um, pretty exciting for Japanese tennis and future prospects. So we had Shintaro. Was he sponsored by Uniglo? Was he um, sponsored by Uniglo? I'm not entirely sure if I sponsored a Uniglo or not. Um, Shintaro Mochizuki. He beat Carlos Jimeno Valero in straight sets. Um, I know that, that Mochizuki, he trains at the IMG Academy in Florida. So they had, uh, you know, they were going on about that. But not entirely sure about Uniglo. He might have been wearing that, so I forget. Um, but yeah, he was definitely, I think, the better player in that match from what I saw of it. But that Carlos Jimeno Valero, he was playing in his first grass court tournament. So um, so yeah, he's done pretty well to get to the final. And then in the boys' doubles, we had the number one seeds from the Czech Republic, um, Ferejtek and Lehechka, if I'm saying that correctly. They won the boys' doubles. And then... We had American uh, girls doubles champions, Savannah Broadus and Abigail Forbes um, winning in three sets. Yeah, they were unseeded. So, yeah, anyone going into Wimbledon on the weekend, on the last weekend, you do get some uh, junior action. So I think it's it's quite nice to to be able to see, you know, some future future stars. And to be honest, some of the matches are just as good as the adults. You know, some of the, a lot of the people in the juniors, ironically, are older, you know, of course, than Coco Goff. Um, you know, there's a lot of 18-year-olds playing in the juniors. Um, so they're older than Goff and like Anisimova. So it's it's quite funny actually how the you know, the how players develop at different rates. But but yeah, so that that was that's all the results from Wimbledon 2019. It's all of the finalists, all of the winners. So, <laughs> Joel, what, what's been your highlight of Wimbledon for this for this year? Is there one thing you can put your finger on that you would sort of take home from this championships? Oh, um, well, I I would definitely say that I think the women's tournament as a whole was better than the men's tournament i think obviously the men's had a i'm gonna say men's had a better more competitive final um yeah but the women certainly had the you know the bigger upsets you know seeds going out early we had the unexpected rise of coco goff who you know even for you know a, a tennis fan like myself i'd never heard of this girl before you know she entered qualifying came through qualifying and, and then beat venus williams so um, and I think 
potentially that is my I've probably that is probably one of my high you know highlights of the the last two weeks is is Coco Goff because it's just going to be fascinating to see you know how she handles all this attention now you know going forward um, in terms of the tournaments you know she plays is this going to be a fashion the pan I have no idea um, how is she going to play on on the hot you know on the hard courts with you know US fans behind her are we going to see her at the US Open one suspect so well i assume um, she'd get a wild card yeah yeah well yeah um so yeah i am keen to i'm i'm you know a star has been born and let's see let's see how she develops so i think that's kind of for me one of the the highlights what, what about you mm. kim um well for me i mean i loved attending the tournament uh i went for most of the first week um, I hadn't been in like two years, so I was yeah. It was just nice to be there and soak up the atmosphere. Um, I think one of my favourite moments was apart from seeing Rafa and and actually I'm I'm really pleased he beat Kyrgios and kind of you know settled that. Um, I really enjoyed watching Dan Evans. I was sitting on Hemman Hill watching his his five set match with uh, Zhao Souser. and uh, that was like my last evening at the tournament. So I was getting a bit like emotional that you know, wasn't able to go back and that was a nice way to end it. Although he lost, it was a nice atmosphere on the hill and, you know, having a PIMS and just watching him on the screen and, you know, almost, he almost did it. Um, it wasn't <laughs> quite to be, uh, but yeah, no, I just, oh, I mean, yeah, I think I agree. The women's tournament overall probably was the more intriguing, um, barring, barring the final, but, you know, I think in terms of the winner, I'm, you know, very happy Simone Halep won. Uh, my predictions were way off. I think I said Kerber <laughs> Pliskova in the final. So there we go. But uh, I think we might have to uh, to try and uh, better our predictions for the US Open later in the year. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's been a good two weeks. And um, we'll be taking uh, a little break, I think, for a couple of weeks, won't we, Joel? But I think we'll be back with an extra slice in the meantime um, with a bit of fun content for everyone. Yeah, we will be back with our next catch up. We're going to take a little bit of a break now. We feel like we've done our, we've done as <laughs> we're almost exhausted uh, as much as the players. I feel from uh, putting out um, uh, our kind of updates, our catch ups for Wimbledon. We hope you've really enjoyed. Uh... So exhausted, in fact, Joel, that we forgot to mention the highly important tournament in Bastad that's been happening this week oh sorry so I mean, it's not all about, it's not I mean, all about Wimbledon forget? so tired we forgot <laughs> to mention Masaki Doi winning the singles and doubles at the 125k series event in Bastad so yeah there we go Masaki Doi is a double <laughs> champion um in the second week of Wimbledon but yeah tennis why isn't goes that making headlines everywhere. I know why is that not top of BBC sport I mean ridiculous forget about England winning the world cup uh, you know, the Cricket World Cup, more drama today. It's been a very yeah. dramatic day for sport, hasn't it? All been happening. It has, um, <laughs> it has all been happening. But uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed our listening to our, our catch-ups over Wimbledon. We'll be back, I think, in a couple of weeks' time, rounding up all of the, um, all of the grass uh, clay court uh, tournaments that are coming post-Wimbledon, um, including uh, Newport, uh, Bastad, uh, Umag, and then on the... Women's side, Bucharest and Lausanne, which are all happening next week. Um, but yeah, as Kim said, we'll also in the meantime put up a little beast, little piece of fun content for you guys uh, to play along with. We're going to actually be doing a quiz 
looking back on the last six months, uh, the first half of the tour. So I hope you can join us for that. Um, you can test your tennis knowledge uh, through the season with me and Kim. Uh, Kim, do, do you have any, any final thoughts? Are you, are you looking forward to that quiz? I'm really looking forward to that quiz. I am. And I was just thinking um, we could use it as an entrance examination for, for Wimbledon <laughs> next year because um, I, one of my pet peeves is when you get people attending the tennis who literally have no clue about tennis. And I always joke that we should, you know, make them pass a test in the Wimbledon queue to sort of filter out people who literally are just there to get drunk and annoy well, genuine fans. And so maybe this quiz well, could be used as that. <laughs> I think that's, that's a great idea. Cause I, I, when I, I remember when I was, um, when I was there in the first week, I, you know, I know we, I mean, particularly myself, I get uh, maligned very much for my player pronunciations, but <laughs> some of the pronunciations I heard during, um, you know, on site at the championships were baffling. I think the one that baffled <laughs> me most was I heard uh, an American lady try to pronounce Su Wei Shui as Hersia. She, <laughs> she thought her name was like Hersia. Um, and I was just like in front of me, just like face, face palming, like violently, just been like, oh no, oh no. But um, yeah, we Able. will... Um, <laughs> but yes we will be back uh, with an extra slice episode uh, with a little quiz um on the first half of the season and hopefully we'll be putting that up uh around uh this time next weekend um so i hope you can join us for that um yeah hope you've enjoyed listening to our wimbledon catch-ups uh remember to um follow us on twitter at passing shot pod if you've got any kind of um thoughts about the podcast or you just want to get in touch give us some feedback you can you're very welcome to you can email us passingshotpod at gmail.com uh but for now um i hope you've yeah hope you've enjoyed yourselves hope you've enjoyed the championships tennis does roll on as will the passing shot so we hope you can uh listen to us in the future but for now thank you and goodbye Thanks for taking the time to listen to our show. We're supported by every one of our fans in the Passing Shot community. If you want to become one of them and get the latest updates from your tennis catch-up service, then all you need to do is follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. And if you like what you hear, then why not tell your friends or leave us a rating and subscribe? Thanks for listening.